en ziens is groot geworden met hierdie, hierdie leen. Wat, hulle, wat is hulle groot geworden met? Dat cowboys don't cry. Is dit die wat? Ja? Wat bedoel dit? Dit bedoel dat om een man te wees, je moet, uh, moet niet heel nie. Maar sê my, wie is ons voorbeeld om een om man te wees? Als je een kind van die Heer is, wie is ons, wie is ons voorbeeld? Is dit niet Jezus Christus nie? En wat is die kortste vers in die Bijbel? Jezus het geweer. Jesus wept. Now, our example of a man wept. But we have been teaching our children, or we, we've learned this lie that teaches us that cowboys don't cry. So we brought up with this real flimsy teaching that sets us up for failure. So that when we are faced with a challenge and we don't have all the answers, then, then we start to implode. Ons woord self-moordpleeg, depression, and all of these things that happen to us. Why? Because we've been set up to believe that we need to have all the answers. And at that time, when I'm held up at gunpoint, I've got to learn that it's not karma. It's not that God is upset with me. Because that's the other thing we were brought up with as, as Hindus, is that God is this person or persons that is far, far away from us, and there's no relationship. He's just there, and he's not interested in our lives. And, you know, most of the time we are taught that, uh, you know, if we do anything wrong, God is standing with a big stick ready to whack us and to discipline us. And when I shared that with my Afrikaner friends in South Africa, they said to me, hey, we were also brought up like that. That God was this quiet old man, you know, really angry, just waiting for us to make a mistake to, to discipline us. And the whole picture of a loving father was so foreign. And the answer to that is, like I said, is the Word of God. Because in the Word of God, you learn that this salvation, the answer, the solution, does not come from within ourselves. It comes from God in what we call genade, grace. You know, if you had to ask me in terms of, you know, I've, I've been brought up in Hinduism, I've studied a lot of world philosophies and other religions, and knowing the Bible, the greatest difference, or where it all comes to uh, that crossroads, is in one word. The difference between Christianity and the rest of the world religions is in grace. Genade. Because this grace is something that the other religions of the world, they cannot comprehend. Because with, with, with all the other religions, it's about works. You got to do, 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 and then you end up in a whole pile of do-do. Because God has not created us to be doers of works. He's created us to be doers of the word. And, and this is something that you know, I had to learn in this whole episode of, of being held up at gunpoint and something that I had to teach the Lions. This is the Lions rugby team in, in 2013. And these three words are what I started off with them because it, it, it summarized and it, it spoke about the journey that God had taken me along when I got held up at gunpoint. And at that time, through that rejection, came a direction. And my direction was to go to New Zealand. Because when I got held up at gunpoint, I knew that, that God was in control. And, and I knew that God had a plan for us. And, and through that, you know, I said, God, why did this happen? Help me understand why this happened. And, and what God directed me towards was, I'm calling you to New Zealand. I want you to sell the business and, and move over. So the plan was, sell the business, put the proceeds of the business into the bank in New Zealand uh, while I studied. And, and lived off the interest. A very good plan. But one small problem. 
die Menschen, die die Bessie haben gekauft, haben uns nie bezahlt. Very small problem. Und uns ist noch in New Zealand, uh, ich kenne meine Frau Jolene und unsere Achtmann-Tochter, uh, sie ist noch 18 Jahre alt, sie ist hier. Und uh, uns ist in einem neuen Land. Und hier ist noch, was wat passiert noch? Und uns kriegen die Bankrechnung kein Geld mehr. Und ich bel mit Prokurier in der Bahn. Und ich sage für uns, das ist was das passiert. Und ich sage für mich, ihr müsst zurück nach Südafrika kommen. Aber das war nicht ein makkelijke Besluit, um zu machen. Und dann war es so fair, uns war in New Zealand, um zurück zu gehen. Und uns hat allereerst die Beplanung gemacht, um in New Zealand zu bleiben, in die Ende von zwei Tagen. Und ich realize, dass du und ich, We have our own advocate. And that advocate's name is not Gerry Nealmi. The advocate's name is Jesus Christ. 1 John 2.1 tells us that Jesus is our advocate. And I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, help me understand what do I need to do. And, and the message the Lord gave me was clear. He said, whatever I blessed you with in South Africa, forget it. I'm going to bless you anew. Now people listen to that and they say, wow. That's such a great faith to have. And I say to them, no, 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 no. It's not about having a great faith. It's about having faith in a great God. You see the difference? When you think you need to have that faith, then wie is verantwoordelijk for your reading? Who's responsible for your saving? Yourself, not God. Because you need to have big faith. And you find these, these are the messages that get taught erroneously. Nivarni. In, in, in some churches, They, they, are, they, are, they are teaching people that, you know, uh, you got to have big faith, man. You got to have faith. You got to have faith. Uh, you got to sow your seed and God going to give you your breakthrough. You know, you sow your hundred dollars and God going to give you your breakthrough. And if you call in the next five minutes, we even throw in a set of steak knives, you know. And, and that, that's part of the message that I, that I wrote in a book called uh, Sart of Fraud. And I'll speak a little bit more about it. But it's, it's that message that puts us in the place of God, where we begin to control God, and God is not in control. So there's a reversal of roles, where we then say to God, you know, God, I want this, I want that, God, go and do this for me. And then God is now in our control, when we know that that is not what it's about. So we, we put the cart before the horse. And it comes from this. It comes from this karmic thinking. It comes from this, uh, you know, reasoning of being in control. Now, all of this are related to the Lions rugby team. And I said to them, guys, you're out of super rugby. What can we do to change it? We, can we go and fight with the, the rugby union and ask us? No, you can't. It's done. So what we need to do, we need to move on. We need to focus on what we can do, not on what we can't do. And that was the, the message of the book, You Can. Because if you heard Dion van Rensburg, This was our, uh, our, our topic or our title for the year, that you can. You can achieve anything you do if you put your mind to it. And one of the things that I had to do was to change that negative attitude. Because if you look at this team here in 2013, there's only one Springbok in the team, CJ van der Linde. And as much as the guys were in a place of, of uh, rejection, perverping, I, I encouraged him. I said, okay, you're at the lowest point now for a South African rugby player out of super rugby. But what's the highest position? Or what's the highest level? The hoogst vlak for the South African rugby player om te wees. And they all, all of them said to be a Springbok rugby player. At that time, 2013, it was a high, high position. You know, it was very high. <laughs> But uh, uh, nowadays, every Springbok wants to be a Lions player. I mean, that's, uh, that, that's the truth. <laughs> and, and at that time, there was only one 
Primok in the team. But what I did was I held them to that high, that high calling to be a Springbok player. And I said to them, guys, when you become Springbok rugby players, remember where it started off. Did it not begin from a plek van opstanding? Did it from a plek van verwerping? So it began at a low point in a place of rejection, not from a place of, of resurrection. And I called the captain forward, J.C. Janssen van Rensburg. He's a guy that spoke at the end in English. I apologize for that. His, English, his Afrikaans is not as good as mine, but that's why he spoke. Uh, J.C. is now playing for uh, a team on the west coast of South Africa, not important with the whites and blue stripes, but anyway. Um, and and, I, and I, had to ca I called him forward because at the time there was a very negative attitude in the team because everybody was, you know, uh, doom and gloom. This is the worst Lions team ever. The Lions will never make it back in Super Rugby uh, and all of that negative stuff that was going on. So to change that uh, negative attitude, I invited JC forward and I sat him down in a chair and in front of the whole team, I did an interview with him in faith as the captain of the Lions team that is now back into Super Rugby. Now you've got to understand, the promotion relegation games were still seven months ahead in, 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 in July, end of uh, July and August. But I called him forward and I did the interview in faith as the captain of the Lions team that is now back into Super Rugby. And I began asking him questions, you know, JC, say for us, who had that gebeur that you know terug in Super Rugby is? What did you do? What was the plan? And all van that. So, you know, I began asking him those questions. What did you do? How does it feel that you guys are back now in Super Rugby? And, and JC says, JC wrote the foreword uh, to, to Tomati Strat, and he says that if there was ever a time that I can put my finger on and say that was a time that the Lions' negative attitude changed to positive, it was that day. Because if you, if you click it again, there we go, that's the one. This is what JC says. He said, Mayan had helped, Mayan helped to get a team that was down and out to start to believe in themselves, to believe that they can be the best again. Now, you know, in our, in our Christian language, we call that faith. We call it having faith. Because what is faith? Faith is believing in what we cannot see, calling that which is not as if it is. And for me, going to New Zealand at that time and, and losing my business, uh, having no finances, uh, it getting taken away from me, I had to believe, not in what karma says, but I had to believe in this verse. This is the foundation of the message of making sense of nonsense or tamatistra, that God can change the negative into something positive. In English, we say all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. I like this version, the, the message version for the Afrikaans, because it's Paul that says that God uses everything. And I ask the question, what is everything? Is everything only the good things? No, everything is, is every, it's alles. The negative and the positive, God can use it for our good. And there's no other, you know, philosophy or religion that makes sense of the nonsense. Because in Hinduism, if you're going through a problem, something bad happens to you, it's because you deserve it. You, you, you deserve to have that bad thing happen to you. Or because God is upset with you, that is why it happened to you. But it's only our God, the God of the Bible, that gives us the sense to say, you know what? It's not because I don't like you. Lions, it's not because God is upset with you that you're relegated. It's not because God is angry with you. It's not because of the sins of your forefathers that you are now experiencing this year. And it's not because of Jan van Riebeek. I, you know, you've got to understand. We like to blame Jan van Riebeek as well. But uh, 
this is what we need to understand. And I go to New Zealand with my wife and my eight-month-old daughter. Going there, you can understand I grew up in Durban. Two things that I didn't like growing up in Durban was Afrikaans and rugby. For me, there were signs of, you know, what I regarded as signs of apartheid. And I go to New Zealand. Of all the countries in the world that God sends me to, he sends me to New Zealand, where the religion of the land is rugby. And I go there, and, and in the beginning of my course, the, uh, the lecturer asked us to bring a greeting in our mother tongue. And I said to him, I don't speak any Indian. I speak only uh, English. He said, no, 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 I know all the South Africans learned Afrikaans. And I said, yeah, yeah, but uh, we only learned it in the school. We didn't speak it outside the school. And he goes, why is that? And I said, no, no, because Afrikaans is an evil language, a tal von Boseid. And he doesn't leave it there. He goes, he gets a Bible. And he opens up to the verse that says, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And then he asked me, how can there be evil in a language? On mudluk of die umluk, ek weet, die skiller, die oogklapper, the blinkers that were over my eyes were, were taken out. And I, for the first time in my life, I spoke Afrikaans with, with real joy and peace in my heart. And guess what sport the boys were playing in that camp in New Zealand? <laughs> rugby. For the first time, I passed a rugby ball. And who would have thought on my part, not going and looking for them, God would put former All Blacks and current All Blacks. And not just any All Blacks, but guys like Michael Jones, Inga the Winger Tree Gamala, uh, DJ Forbes, Ma Nonu, Ta uh, Charles Piertau. And these guys were born again All Blacks. And they wanted to learn from me. We would meet up in a, in a Christian sports organization. And they would want to learn from me. Can you help us with our presentations? You know, we're doing talks in schools and et cetera, et cetera. And I would say, obviously, because I'm a deal maker, I'm a negotiator, you know, this is what we do, our Indian people. I'd say, okay, okay, I'll help you with your presentations, but you've got to teach me rugby. And I would learn from these guys rugby. And my knowledge of rugby went from not to 100 very quickly. So I always like to say to people, in South Africa especially, that I learned the correct way to play rugby from the All Blacks. Not the Bok way where you kick the ball away and all, all those funny things. And, and with that, um, you know, I, I, I started off, and my first job, I've got to say this as well, my first job, you know, when you're a migrant in a new country, uh, it's quite common that you don't start off right on the top. For those of us that have done that, well done. But the reality is that when you go to a new country, now I, in South Africa, I was an insurance broker. I, I had my own business, house on the beach in Durban, drove around in the latest Jag, people working for me. In New Zealand, I lost everything. My first job in New Zealand was in Burger King. I wasn't the director or the manager. I started off cleaning floors and toilets. But before I made the burgers, I washed my hands, all right? Just so that you know. And you're going to know that a large part of Hinduism, as much as I spoke about karma, and I speak about it in the book as well, is, is the caste system. Because the Hindu people are very caste-oriented. And you find that with Indians and Asian people. That, uh, you know, what the caste system says is that if you earn a lot of money and you got a good job, then you're up there. Now, my mother, when we were growing up, and if we drove past someone that was cleaning the street or sweep clear, sweep, street sweeping, she would always turn around to us and say, you see, if you don't do well in school and get a good job, you can end up sweeping the streets. Now, in my mother's understanding, if the street sweeper was right down, where do you think the toilet cleaner was? Above? Below. Below. But I had to learn that I am not my job. My job is not me. My job is only an opportunity to shine my God-given talents. Living in, in the Indian culture, our South African culture, you know, is very materialistic. We judge people based on the car that they drive, the house that they live in, and the job that they have. You don't believe me? 
you when you come here, what's the first thing South Africans ask you? Is it same like New Zealand? Where do you stay? How big is your house? What car are you driving? Where are you working? Why do they want to know all of that? Because it's ingrained in our culture. Because we want to be able to put the person up. Is that person important or not important? Why? Based on what they have materially. And you find that when you leave and you go to another country, you learn to appreciate things more. You begin to see life for what it is. Because you're out of your comfort zone. And that's what we learned in New Zealand. And in that place in Burger King, in cleaning the floors and toilets, I began to learn what life was all about. Because in the eyes of my family and friends in South Africa, I was a failure doing what I was doing. But in God's eyes, he saw me for who I was. I speak about you know, what, what the message of this book is. And I call this my most important book. Because when I was there in New Zealand, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, how am I going to serve you? You know, in South Africa, I had my own business. I had people working for me. I could write out a check, bless this church, bless that ministry. How am I going to serve you, Lord? I don't have any money. You know, there's a Lord's response to me. Mine, that's a problem with people. They think in order to serve me, I need their money. Please tell them I don't need their money. I need their heart. God wants your heart. Because when he's got your heart, then he's got everything. What was David known as? A man after God's own wallet? No, that's the Indian Bible. David was known as a man after God's own heart. And, and the reason why I say this is my most important book written is because it covers a topic that there's 2,084 verses in the Bible that speak about finances. 16 out of Jesus' 38 parables speak about finances. How you handle your money reveals who you really are. You can't hide that because money magnifies what is in your heart. And this is why I say this is my most important book written because of the message of Satofrat, seed or greed. And we get, we get things confused because we focus on the things that money can buy us. Money can buy us an expensive wedding ring, but can it guarantee us a happy marriage? An expensive bed it'll buy, but can it guarantee us a good night's sleep? Why then, for the sake of money, do we pursue these things? And you find, sadly, that the gospel nowadays is all about, you know, you got to sow your seed in order to get your breakthrough. You know, and you go to certain places and they tell you, you know what, the offering basket's going to get passed around now. I like to keep an American accent because most of the times the Americans do that. Uh, the offering basket's going to get passed around and you're going to get two figures in your head. You know, the, 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 the low figure is from the devil, so don't worry about that. The high figure, you know, that's from God, brother. That's from God. And you know, the other thing is, don't sit down. When the offering basket's passed around, you've got to stand up because when you sit, your hand can't go too down in your pocket, you know. And, and we laugh about this because we know this is what's happening. People have taken the gospel and they've made it something that it's not. And I go there in New Zealand as an insurance broker, as an accountant. And God changes everything around. And I said, Lord, why am I here? I joke about it, but why am I here? God gives me these words from the pit to the palace. At that time, God spoke to me in English, not in Afrikaans. And I said, Lord, what do you mean from the pit to the palace? And he said, what I did for Joseph, I'm going to do for you. And this is my favorite verse, Genesis 50, 20. Because you know the story of Joseph? It was his neighbors that threw him in the pit. No, his own brothers. And I'll let you into a little secret. The people that bought my business and didn't pay me were my own family. Now, I know your family, everybody gets on well. There's no problems. Or but my family has a different story. And, and these are the people that bought my business and didn't pay me. And the other secret was they were Christians. And God had to teach me the story of Joseph. Number one, to forgive them. And that was the hardest thing for me to do. I said, God, I can't do it. And God said, you're right, you can't forgive in your own strength. But when you put your hand into his hand, 
who said from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Then you receive that supernatural power to forgive. I love Genesis 50-20 because it's a time when Joseph is now the prime minister of Egypt and his brothers come before him. The same brothers that threw him in the pit that sold him as a slave. They don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. And he says to them, I am Joseph. Imagine how scared they were when he told them, I am Joseph. Because he was a prime minister. He could have clicked his fingers. The soldiers would have killed him. Maybe it was a bit wet where they stood underneath, you know. But he said, no, I'm not going to kill you. And then from that fear, their thoughts changed to niskirachet, curiosity. Big word for the Indian. How many Indians you heard use that word? Right? Not many. And they want to know, how is it possible, Joseph? We thought we destroyed your dreams. We thought you we destroyed God's plan for your life when we sold you as a slave. You know, if Joseph was an Afrikaner, to paraphrase Genesis 50-20, when they asked him, how is it possible that your dreams are not destroyed? He would have answered with one word, on state bar. And what is on state bar? Unstoppable. Tell them, unstoppable. 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 You see, the plans, the dreams that God has for you and I are unstoppable. No people, no government, no circumstances, nothing can stop the plans and the dreams that God has for me. And my destiny was tied up in two things, Afrikaans and rugby. And because of my negative attitude towards them, I was preventing myself from stepping into the destiny. Now in South Africa, I'm known as the Indir Burki. You will find me speaking more, now to speak in English, uh, it's difficult for me. I speak more in Afrikaans than in English. I speak, you, um, you know, that Khalof um, it was it was hostile. I mean, you know, Mensa and Kronstadt, they're only buy from the Indian Mensa. And, and even, you know, at that talk where the lions were, after the talk, we, uh, we go out there and, and the reception is full. People are all around and I'm signing books and, and the guys are talking to the lions, and there's this old man, big guy, he screams, Coolie! <laughs> and, uh, and everybody, everybody's shocked, everybody's quiet. And I turn around, and there's a big guy, six foot eight guy. And I said to him, Warm, it is not a coolie, it is a cool O. Give me a drink, give me a drink. And then he says, he says, you know what? Forgive us, mensen, for what he had given you, mensen, gedaan. And I said to him, Warm, I said, Kom ons vat hande, om een vernootschap te wees, om hierdie land te verander. And, and you know, for me, the whole thing is about, you know, people shut their ears to advice, but they open their eyes to example. And, and this is where I say, we need to be the change we want to see in the world. It's easy to talk about a way, but we need to become the way. Like our Savior Jesus Christ was, the way, the truth, and the life. It's not about speaking a message, it's about becoming the message. You know, when I was a Hindu, what I didn't like was when my Christian family and friends told me that I'm going to hell, that I'm praying to demons. You know, evangelism 101, if God hasn't told you to do that, don't tell people that. Because you don't bring them closer to God, you push them further and further away. That's not what it's about. It's about living the life. I get asked a lot of times, you know, how do you win people to Christ? I do a lot of talks in seminaries and theological colleges about how to win people to an Eastern religion, from an Eastern religion and all of that. And I said, you know what? We call it, in church in these terms, we call it pre-evangelism. But what is pre-evangelism? It's exactly what you did with your friends. You become friends to them. You become a friend to someone. Before you preach to them, this is what I used to say, before you preach, reach. Reach before you preach. Become friends with them. Be have a relationship. You know my book, Burma Kaplan, 
I speak about the gelofte. People say, be careful when you talk about the gelofte, they use it for political reasons. I say, well, be honest with me, what political party was Andres Pretorius involved in? Nothing. And I say it's about relationship. The gelofte, in what I see, was, a was an invitation to come into a relationship. And that's how it was with me. As a Hindu, you couldn't have a relationship with God. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for relationship. We need to have relationship with one another. But more importantly, God is looking for that. You know how many gods there are in Hinduism? A thousand, two thousand, five thousand? Three point three million gods. And that day when I gave my heart to the Lord was the first time I knew of a God that died for me, that gave his blood for me. Because none of those three point three million gods died for me. They were not personal to me. And this is why I say to people, this is what Jesus is wanting. This is the difference. Is that even when we're down and out, he's there, right there with us. He's not thinking, oh, because we're in the low caste now, he's far away. No, no, no. And this is my message that I go around and I share in South Africa. But more importantly, I become the message. Proverbs 18.21. The tongue has the power of life and death. And we've got to be so careful because as South Africans, we are very good in focusing on the negative. You know, when we're around that bright place, we're like, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, that's when we start to speak about the negative stuff and all of that. And I say, take, take the example of Ezekiel. Ezekiel. In Ezekiel, the story, God says to Ezekiel, what do you see? And Ezekiel says, I see dry bones. So that tells me it was after the bride place because there's dry bones afterwards. But then God says to Ezekiel, does he say complain about the dry bones? Claw, you know, make a big fuss? No, he says prophesy life. Speak life. You know, I was brought up with the wrong teaching. That Afrikaans was to be tal from the underdrukka and, and all of that. But that's not what I'm going to leave behind for my children. And that's when I, this is what I'm talking about, but being the message. Now, we can't change what happened in the past. But what we do today determines our future. And, and this is a declaration that, that we put together. And we use it as a message of hope for South Africa. You know, one of the good things is that you guys are out of the country. So you see things sometimes a bit better than when you're in the country. You've got family and friends back home. And you know how negative they can be with what's happening there. But as a child of God, we are part of the gospel. Now say to me, what is the gospel? Is the gospel the negative, positive, the bad news? The gospel is the good news. Irrespective of what the world says, we've got to believe in hope. Because it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And I want to encourage you to please encourage your family and friends back home. And get them to understand that if we're complaining about South Africa, you know, when you come overseas, you get exposed to other things. And then you realize, hey, you know what? Things weren't so bad back home. We complained about, that, that's my message to you guys. Understand that when you're in Samati Strat, you know, God has a plan. No matter how bad things are, God always has a plan. Andre, I want to say thank you so much for your hospitality. You had me in Birmingham the other week, and it's always a pleasure. The first time I preached in England was in, I think, 2013, in the London Gemeente in Afrikaans. So God has a real special place in my heart for the Afrikaner people. We, we love them. They are good support to us, all most of my friends in Pretoria, Alas Alma Dear from the Hemel Hotel.